0: sinners and saints dust off those horns and halos it's time for alan after dark sinners and saints here we are in october in the halloween season my absolute favorite time of year and as promised, we are going to be covering topics of the paranormal, the supernatural, and some of the strangest and creepiest encounters I've had with people throughout my life. But before we get into this first experience, how are you all doing tonight? Are you feeling well? Are you feeling sexy? Are you feeling horny? I hope you are if you want to be. In my life, I've done a lot of different things. And one of the things that people I believe are surprised is that I worked in a bar for almost 10 years as a server. And it was a gay oriented bar. While I'm not going to give the actual name of the bar, I will give the slogan, which was that the bar was our local cheers for queers. And I had a great time there. I made some of my closest and best friends there. I love the people. I still have friends from that bar that I meet and other bars that where I'm also a customer and it's great to hang out with them as just a friend and a customer and not a server for them. I can look back on it and I remember it as some of the best years of my life. Even though I had two jobs and I was in school and I was working my ass off for a, a, quite a bit of time there. But one of the things in this area that happens when you work in a gay bar, gay club, is that in the community, you become a celebrity. You are known by almost everyone. You are respected for the work you do. And let's be honest, sometimes the money is really good. But for all of the good times, the celebrity, and the fun, there are some very dark and scary times that can happen when you work in a bar. Let's take a trip back in time to some of the scariest experiences I've had working in a bar. I think we should start with a little context, some des- a description of the layout of the bar when you walked in the front doors, well, we had a little sort of like a little lobby where you got your ID checked and you paid your cover charge and got your stamp and all that. You went through the second set of double doors and if you look straight ahead, you would see part of the bar. And the bar was uh, was L-shaped, but backwards. So if you look to your left, you had an area with two pool tables and where the restrooms were, if you look to the right you had tables several tables for you know sitting relaxing eating drinking and if you went past the tables we had a set of glass double doors that led to an amazing patio it was one of the best places to hang out in the summertime so if you walked toward the patio doors along your left side would be the length of the bar we had basically three three bartenders could work in that whole section without getting into each other's way and like I said I was a server so I worked the floor sometimes with this, uh, another server but on Friday nights from open to close it was just me on the floor with up to two bartenders sometimes three I worked Friday nights and Saturday nights primarily, and then finally, as my life got back together, I started working just Friday nights, and I would come down and hang out at the bar Saturday nights, sometimes Sunday nights, and sometimes once or twice during the week, just depending upon what was going on and how much homework I had. I had a blast working on Fridays. I would open at four, and sometimes we would close the bar at 2.45, but sometimes you wouldn't get out until like sometimes 4, maybe even 4.30. It just depended on how busy the night was and how much you had to do to get the place cleaned and ready for the next day's opening. So I was pulling almost a 12-hour shift from 4 p.m. to sometimes 4.30 a.m., but I didn't mind it, it was just so much fun. And I loved it when I'd I'd have friends come in, especially straight friends who had as much fun at our bar as they did at their own bars. But there were many times like after midnight when you had very few people in the bar, it just depended upon what was going on. If there was a football game or a basketball game or or other events going on, sometimes our attendance dropped off. When we had a, a smaller crowd or if the crowd faded almost to none, obviously other bartenders wouldn't be needed. So usually it was just me, one server, and one bartender toward the end of the evening. Back when I first started there, we were still, bars and clubs still allowed smoking. And our bar was no exception. I'm not a cigarette smoker. And it was always hard to get used to that. You would always smell like smoke on on your clothes, your hair, everything. It felt like sometimes it permeated your skin. So obviously, being a bar that allowed smoking, there were ashtrays. And one of the last tasks I'd always do during cleanup would be to go to the patio and gather up all the ashtrays, you know, empty them, gather them up and bring them inside just to have them stacked. We would have them stacked so that we could, whoever was the opening server the next day, would just have them right there and could distribute them out to each table, both inside and on the patio. Earlier in the night, it wasn't a very busy night. Working at a bar, you know your regular people and you even know some that just come in every once in a while. And so when a person that you don't recognize at all comes in, you do kind of, they do stand out. Not necessarily for bad reasons, but when one does come in that gives you bad vibes, you you really do pay attention. I do believe if you work in that business that you really do need to trust your instincts. And not everybody has those instincts, but I'll just be honest, I when my little voice tells me that somebody is bad news, and I get I get the feelings on on my in my bones, and I can feel it on my skin, these warning signs, I believe them. So this guy comes in and he's wearing like a camouflage jacket. It is in the fall, so it was a little bit cool. And he comes in and he just barely comes through the double doors at the entrance. He turns to the first table that's right in the corner next to our little lobby area, and he sits right there. It's only then that I notice that he seems to have some sort of backpack or duffel bag with him. With all the things that can happen, especially in a gay bar with homophobes and haters and Nazis, You get really worried when you see camo wearing men lugging around some kind of duffel bag. So I work my way around him to the front door and I confront our guy who checks IDs. And I I said, why did you let him in? He's got a duffel bag. Why didn't you tell him he couldn't carry that in? And he just says, well, I wasn't really paying attention to that, I didn't see it. You can't just tell someone, well, you can just tell someone to leave for any reason whatsoever, but we were just a little nervous because we didn't know what this guy was up to. So we basically kept our eye on him and we were kind of glad that there were only four or five people in the club, the bar at that time. And we, the bartender and I, both have had easy ways to get out if we had to. Well, as soon as he sat down and, and sat there for just a couple of minutes, he was back out the door. Obviously, we were kind of heaving a sigh of relief that he was gone and the rest of the night, Seemed to just go uneventful. We were able actually to close a little bit early because our last customer left, I think it was around two maybe. We go through our normal routine, you know, counting out your your bank, settling and balancing your registers and doing the cleanup. Usually one of the last things I did uh, was to go to the patio and empty the ashtrays and bring them in. This was no different that night. I go out, and let me explain. When you step out into the patio, to the right we had a gate that was used, you know, for deliveries and things like that, but it was always locked. But it was a nice gate where you could see out into the parking lot. And it usually, you know, had ivy and things like that growing on it, but it was really nice and you could see out. So I'm going through my normal routine. The music is off so I can hear clearly and I'm just gathering up the ashtrays. I just got this strange feeling that I was being watched. I don't know, I, at first I just tried to ignore it and as I come from the lower end of the patio, which is kind of, it's kind of surrounded by walls so you can't see the parking area. I guess you could say the patio was a sort of L-shaped where you had one step down to a bigger area but the, the upper area The step up was where the gate was. I couldn't see it at first. So until I came up and stepped up on that first step that leads back into the bar, I step up and I turn to go toward the door and I look over toward the gate. There was a man standing there wearing a hoodie, totally silhouetted and dark, just standing there staring. And I'm staring at him with only a gate between us. I don't know if it was the shock of the moment, but he looked gigantic, very tall, very intimidating, just standing there. For a second, I froze, not expecting anybody to be standing there because there should have been no one in the parking lot. Finally, I got myself together and I just said, hey, can I help you with something? And he just slowly turned And walked out of my sight I rushed into the bar locking the patio doors running to the front doors making sure they were locked and I told the bartender there is a strange man in a hoodie you can't even see his face in the parking lot he goes running over to the doors I'm over with him and we peep through the blinds just to see if we can see him he is nowhere to be found to this day I wonder if the guy that was wearing the camouflage clothes and was lugging the duffel bag was the same guy. There was just this feeling, this vibe you got from him. I don't like to use the word, but it genuinely felt like evil. The bartender and I quickly finished up our closing duties and hesitated when we got to the front doors because we knew we had to cross the parking lot to get to our cars, to go home. And there was still the possibility that this guy was out there somewhere nearby or even behind some of the trees around the parking lot just waiting for us to come out of the building. It was a a genuine possibility and appreciating how homophobic society still was at that time in particular, it made it even more nerve-wracking to walk across a dark, empty, parking lot having your keys ready to unlock the door and jump in your car which is something we were already prepared for we always practiced safety when we were leaving after closing but with this unusual man person wandering around in the parking lot after close it just added to the tension of that night and i remember leaving being relieved, getting into the car, locking the doors, and just leaving and checking the shadows of my headlights, expecting to see this man standing anywhere there along the corners of the building or behind the trees, ready to jump out. You all know me now as an overthinking person. And my mind, of course, runs wild with the possibilities of what he was thinking about doing. And it could have been totally innocent. But boy, his behavior did not feel innocent. And I kept thinking that he meant to hurt us or do damage to the bar and was surprised to see me standing there on that side. Maybe he was anticipating a shot at robbing the place even though there would have been nothing but alcohol and beer and to steal. There was no cash or money on hand that he could have gotten to. It overall just felt weird. The drive home, I lived in an apartment at that time and the parking lot of the apartment complex that I lived was also dark and creepy that time of night. But you hoped that at like 4 a.m. in the morning that most of the world is sleeping and you don't have to really worry about anything but maybe uh, a random skunk or possibly a bear that's looking for something to eat. We had several instances Where something strange or scary happened at the bar, especially around the time of closing. But I want to talk about one particular incident that occurred with me that I'm still a bit rattled about and I still have a bit of PTSD about it. But it was a Friday evening, it was the regular shift. Everything was going well, we had a good crowd, people were having fun, I was having fun. And this guy comes in and he sits at one of my tables and I go over and just, you know, say hello and ask him if he'd like something to drink or something to eat. And he says something to the effect of a beer. I give him the beer and go about my business, you know, attending to all my customers, being polite, flirting with a lot of them. I may have flirted a little bit with him. It's just part of the job. I think most people that work in service would agree with that we do flirt a little bit. It sometimes helps tips and it might actually land you a date if the guy or girl or person you want is hot. As you're working through your night and you're staying busy, you will get these feelings sometimes. And I believe that our gut instincts are very important. And I think you should always go with your gut instincts, even if they may be wrong sometimes. But I just got the feeling as the night wore on and the crowd started to thin out, they were going to other clubs for that night. They usually came to our bar first for happy hour and then they would go somewhere else to dance and party the the rest of the night away. As the crowd was kind of filtering out, my regulars were still hanging out, having a good time talking. And I was very much aware that the guy sitting in the corner that ordered the beer had not really moved. And I could feel his eyes following me around the bar. I would go over every so often and approach him and say, hey, are you okay, you need another? And sometimes he would say yes, but most of the time he just kind of shook his head and I just would go by, As the night progressed, I would just go by and look and offer a a facial expression and he would just shake his head and smile. I don't know, I, I just had this bad vibe that started developing from the way he was staring. The night was drawing to a close and my regular customers had finally closed out their tabs and headed somewhere else or headed home, but he was still there. I would go over and check on him every 15 to 20 minutes or so, or if I saw him being more attentive toward me as far as his stairs and ask him if he was okay. Finally, I went over and I said, Okay, we're getting ready to close in just a little bit. Would you mind closing your tab unless you want to order something else? And he was like, That's fine. And so I go, you know, ring up his tab, uh, bring it to him and tell him how much it is and show him the, the ticket. He takes the ticket from my hand. But he also grabs my hand as he's looking at the ticket and he's holding onto my hand and I'm like trying to wiggle it loose a little and he, he won't let go. He, re- he finally lets go of my hand and he wrestles his wallet out of his back pocket and he pays in cash. As I'm counting out his change, I hand it back to him and he grabs my hand again and he says do you believe in love at first sight and i didn't know how to take it so i just kind of said well i think anything's possible he says then from the minute i saw you i knew you belonged to me and i was like oh well that's nice but i honestly am in a relationship so i don't know what i can say about that but just thank you but i'm happily in a relationship and I'm not looking for anybody, which by the way, was a total lie. You learn how to con your way out of certain situations because you better learn learn how to do it because you can get yourself in trouble. And he he just kind of grinned and shook his head and he said, no, no, you belong with me. And I'm like, well, I've got to go here. I've got to finish up closing and everything. And we're getting ready to close in a few minutes and uh, have a nice night. And I hightailed it over back to my cash register and started busying myself with closing out my bank and also began the preparations for cleaning up the bar, sweeping it, mopping it, wiping down the tables and so on, collecting the ashtrays and everything else. As I was doing that, I kept an eye on him from the corner of my eye. Finally, he did leave and I went over and turned on the lights and everybody else that was there, about five people, We announced closing and I had the lights on. They went out and I locked the doors. And I was telling the bartender how weird that guy was. And it just seemed odd that he would say such a thing. None of us knew who he was. It was like, well, he must be a visitor to town. And maybe he was drunk or high on some kind of drug or something, and he was just being overly dramatic, maybe. While it was lingering on my mind, I'd try to put it out of my mind and focus on getting the bar cleaned up and everything so we could leave. And finally we did, and you know, everything seemed fine, walk out the front doors, a few cars were scattered here and there, but that's not a surprise sometimes because some people will carpool to the other bars and if they hang out longer, they won't come back by until later, like 4.30 or 5.00 sometimes. So anyway. I get into my car as, as usual, you know, everything seems fine, lock the doors, start it up, I'm heading out and I get onto the main street, I pull up to the first light that's the first red light and I have to stop, I realize there's a car beside me, which can be kind of unusual in our town at 4.15, 4.30 in the morning, I kind of feel the stare from the person in the car, oh shit, is that the same guy that said those weird things in the bar and i kind of glanced at the corner of my eye and he is looking straight at me is him he is right beside me he followed me out of the parking lot of the bar and now i had him like on my tail i try to stay calm and think about what we talk about when things like that can happen so pretend like you don't see them and I did I looked straight ahead or looked to the right like I was fidgeting with the radio or something like that well I can't go toward the house because if I do he'll know where I live but I can't stay in this area because the police think you're cruising and they'll pull you over which I had already made up my mind that if I needed to, I would do that and tell the police that this person was following me and I was concerned and I wanted them to pull me over. But doing that would just be an effort to get the guy to stop following me. I knew that he would go on if he saw the police had pulled me over. But I hadn't got to that point yet. I make it back to the interstate and I head in the direction of where I live, but with no intention of going. Taking the turns that would lead me to my apartment at that time. I purposely go past my exit and keep going. I go faster and faster and finally get to an exit where I I jerk it over, get off the exit, and I think he's missed me. And I feel a little bit of relief because I can turn back around, get back on the interstate, and head back home. And I'm like, okay, I have escaped him and I don't have to worry, but still stay on guard. So I go back to my exit to my street and I'm Feeling a little bit more relaxed since I don't see him behind me, no headlights or anything. I take my exit onto my street, feeling a little bit more relaxed, but trying to be on guard for a couple of blocks and I don't see anything. And so I finally do relax. Headlights come up right behind me. I just knew it was him. I'm like, I don't know how I did. Fuck, it's him. I am within a mile of my apartment and I don't know what I should do. I just decide to gun it, slam on the, on the gas, hit the pedal to the metal, and zoom through a red light. And when the car follows through under the light, I know it's him, without a doubt. In the panic, I thought, what can I do to, to shake him? I take a hard turn into a Target parking lot, and he is right on my ass. And I'm like, what is he going to do? Is he trying to hit me, disable my car, run me off the road? What is he trying to do? In the parking lot, I'm zooming across empty spaces, and he's right behind me the first time and the only time in my life. I do a hard turn like a donut, and he zooms by me and can't slow down, and I zoom it back the other way, get back on my street, going the opposite way of my apartment, and I keep running. I drove around away from my my apartment for well over an hour, till I was certain there was no way he knew where I lived. I have to say that in the height of that little car chase that my I could feel my heart in my throat. The thumping of my heart I could hear in my ears. It really did rattle me that someone somehow not only had followed me from the bar but knew what street or anticipated what street that I lived on. It really did affect me in a way that I stayed on guard. Well, I'm on guard to this day from that incident. It was very, very scary. You know, after that night, I never saw the man again, the stalker, I'll call him. So I don't know what happened with him. Did he go somewhere else? Is he haunting someone else? Or is he still lurking out there somewhere? And as for the guy with the hoodie, I'll never know if I saw him again because I never saw his face. And shout out to all the bartenders and servers, everyone who's worked in the service. I'm sure that you have similar stories that I have. It can be a very dangerous occupation. I don't know what you can do really to prevent it from happening other than trusting your instincts, being on guard, and understanding that not everyone in the world is looking out for your best interest. And I'm sure a lot of you are asking, why didn't you call the police? This is from my cynical point of view, but the police weren't going to help me. They weren't going to do anything, but maybe take a report because I couldn't tell them who it was. I didn't have a name. I had a very vague description from my memory. I worked in a gay bar and in those days, one of the things you didn't want to do was draw too much attention to the bar, get, capture the eye of perhaps a homophobic police officer or a sheriff, anyone in, in the field of government that could, could do something to harm the bar. So basically you learned how to deal with it yourself unless it was something to the point of possibly murder where you needed to get the police involved otherwise you didn't. And I guess I'm saying is that we tried to handle it ourselves because we knew that some of the police could be as dangerous as these people could be. To put it bluntly, there really are monsters, aren't there? Thank you for joining me for this edition of Alan After Dark. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. We'll see you soon.